To God be the glory, great things he has given, so loves he his people, he equips them for mission. Today we gather to celebrate a good God and a gracious God, to dedicate a set of buildings that we believe here at Grace has tremendous potential for spiritual benefit, and we gather to consecrate ourselves as a special people to God, in whom God is at work and through whom God can work through facilities like these. Or to take that opening line, we want to honor the God who is worthy of our opening of our lives. We want to thank God for the things that he has given to us, especially the physical buildings here. We want to recognize his love for us as part of the church and as a local church. And we want to embrace the reality that God calls us, you and me, to mission. Or to repeat those lines adapted as they are from that great old hymn, to God be the glory, great things he has given. So loves he his people, he equips them for mission. It all began in earnest, as Augie said, back in around 2014, Grace Polaris Church and Worthington Christian Schools had desires for facility improvements and expansion and clarity. WCS, founded by, hosted by our church, looked to build a new high school and improve the look and the location of their elementary school. Well, just days ago, Worthington Christian School celebrated their first days in a newly renovated lower school and in a brand new upper school uh, just behind me, named in honor of the late Tom Angel, principal at WCS and a committed Grace member. And how exciting that is. Hundreds of Central Ohio families have the gift, the benefit of a first-class Christian education. Here at Grace, we plan for the long overdue renovation of the worship center. Dare I say that? With additional classrooms and spaces for lots of ministry use. Reaching beyond the name of our capital campaign officially began in January of 2017. Might seem like yesterday or eons ago. In any case, as a result, since 2019, January, we now pursue all kinds of ministry over in the ministry center to my right. And that building was named in honor of the late Marion Forrest and his family, part of the founding group of Grace Polaris Church. And since March of this year, 2020, we're celebrating worship services here in this newly renovated worship center. For 10 weeks, of course, in virtual fashion, all of us saw that online, and now for almost three months in COVID-appropriate gatherings here. And despite all the challenges and the sacrifices and the transitions and the pandemic-related complications, and the list goes on, we have been blessed by wonderful facilities here as we look at the opportunities that a sovereign God has given us and led us toward. From the beginning of the official Reaching Beyond uh, campaign in January of 2017 until this past March or even until August right now, God has guided these last three and a half years in all kinds of ways. Truth be told, the road was not easy or straight, but the path is good when the Lord is in charge of the journey. Amen? Today we celebrate God's goodness and what God's given to us and around us for gospel purposes to our neighbors and to the nations for his ultimate glory. And so many of you, as we have just seen, have had a personal role in this journey, praying, serving, giving, inviting, 
encouraging, laboring, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. So how do we celebrate that? And and what guidance, if any, does the Bible give for such a time as this? Well, in order to, to honor God for his presence, to thank God for his gifts here, to recognize God for his love, to embrace the mission that God has given us. I I considered several biblical texts that might speak to our moment and our situation and our reality. And my mind kept coming back to one found deep in the Old Testament, a place that we don't find ourselves quite as often, 1 Chronicles 29, an obscure passage to many and yet with principles and lots of relevance to where we are today. I'd invite you to turn there in your Bibles, 1 Chronicles 29. If you can't find it, check the index or the table of contents at the front uh, to find that. 1 Chronicles 29, and today we're going to highlight a handful of timeless essentials from that passage for our benefit today. 1 Chronicles 29, as you're turning there, a little background is in order. David is an old king. And David's about ready to turn over his reign and the reigns to his son Solomon. God's people, the Israelites, back in Old Testament times, were eagerly anticipating the building of the temple in Jerusalem. And they knew it was a daunting task before them, but they also knew why it mattered, and they knew what part each of them could play. So with that background, you might wonder here today, August 23rd, 2020, what does that have to do with Grace Polaris Church? Because the locations are different, and God's plan has advanced, and God's people are different. What does 1 Chronicles 29 have to say to us? I would submit to you much in every way. But first, a few caveats. Most obvious, this took place in 1 Chronicles 29, 3,000 years ago, in the, in the Middle East, under a monarchy, a king. We live 3,000 years later in North America in a very messy democracy. Things are different. Uh, we recognize here that God's special people were geographically clustered, the Jewish people, and they were ethnically homogenous, the same. Today, God's special people are geographically dispersed all over the world and ethnically diverse. Back then, in 1 Chronicles 29, God's presence dwelt in a unique way within the confines of that elaborate temple. Today, God's presence dwells through his spirit in his people, you and me, if we know Jesus Christ, and our bodies are his temple. God's covenant with his people back then required their sacrifices, animal sacrifices, especially within the temple. God's covenant today with his people requires our sacrifices through our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Finally, the temple in David's time was inherently holy because it was God's dwelling place. Well, our building, buildings here have no particular value in and of themselves other than that they function as a gathering place and a training place for our church. In other words, this church building is not God's temple. We are now God's temple. And most of us understand that theologically. And yet I believe 1 Chronicles 29 speaks volumes to us about what it means to dedicate ourselves as a special people, to gather together to delight ourselves in God's presence and to pursue God's mission. Let's look here and see what we find in the Bible 
with an eye to what was happening then and another eye to our reality today. And I've chosen five brief principles or highlights from this passage that I think speak to our moment. First, when we invest in local church buildings, we intend to highlight God's glory. We see that in verses 1 and 3 in particular. You know, it's very easy to end up at two opposite places when we think of church buildings. The first is to minimize or to belittle their value. Because church buildings require effort and money and time and upkeep and more. And after all, isn't the church the people of God? Shouldn't that money, shouldn't those efforts be invested elsewhere, you might ask? I'm sympathetic to some of those claims because at one time I might have thought or even said them. But I'm more reticent to say that now. Because in order to gather, you're going to spend money and effort no matter what. Wherever you meet, whatever you rent or borrow or buy, costs will accumulate when you pull people together. And in almost every place in the world, it's interesting that believers have erected structures in which to meet, and often at significant expense. Presence matters. That's especially true in tumultuous times like the one that we're living in. Physical structures are a great blessing. Here in our COVID times, I have no envy at all right now for churches who have been evicted from their rented facilities and they're unable to meet anywhere until God knows when. See, places have benefit. Having a church home like this matters. And God has indeed given us a beautiful place, newly renovated here, large enough to accommodate the season that we're in. If that's one tendency, there's also another tendency with church buildings, and that's to be captivated by them, to be engrossed by them. We begin to see where we're meeting as more important than who we are and what we do. In other words, the building becomes the focal point. The place becomes the value. That's befallen many churches in many places throughout time. We forget our identity and our mission, and we develop a kind of edifice complex. There's a tendency for us to be enthralled with structures, Pastor Dan said earlier this week. And he pointed out that in many places, particularly in Europe, where we lived for a decade, that there are beautiful structures all over the place that function largely as museums. But the place, the space, is supposed to excite us about God. And he's right. We need to be vigilant, especially with these high-quality, highly functional buildings, to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and on his mission. Because we're not going to get architectural prizes for earthly structures from God. We're going to get heavenly prizes from God for our earthly labors with people. Facilities can facilitate that. In other words, these new and renovated buildings aren't the cul-de-sac of our ministry or our vision. They represent a bridge to people. They move us into a more advantageous place to train believers and to reach non-believers. At least that's our prayer, that's our hope in reaching beyond. Our investment in the ministry center over there and the worship center right here is to highlight the glory of God. 
We want God to be known. We want God to be seen. We want God, above all, to be worshipped. And these places can help hundreds and thousands of people in the future see what God is doing in us and see what God is doing from us as well. We can be a social club here. We can be a learning center here. But we're called by God to be a worship, worshiping community and a community on mission. And we think that these facilities can help us do those very things. And that's why we've invested in them. Second thing we see here in verses 3 and 5, devotion to God is not solely a matter of lip service, but includes personal financial sacrifice. King David was the vocal leader of the people of God. And so David knew that there was power when he spoke and people listened to what he said. David understood that he had a heart responsibility before God that his words would influence people. David, of all people, could have talked the talk without walking the walk. David could have highlighted his devotion to God before the people, his passion, his service to him. But that's not what David did. David walked the walk. David, look at verses 3 and 5, put his money where his mouth was. David personally, financially supported the building of the temple. It says there, I give of my personal treasures over and above what else David had given. That's powerful. And that pleases God. And many of you have done the very same thing in recent years through your sacrifice, your financial investment in this reaching beyond vision. And we celebrate that today. And we say to each of you, thank you. Here are some deeply inspiring results of our Reaching Beyond Capital campaign. I hope that you're as encouraged in seeing them as I am because I think they speak volumes about our church. There were over 800 giving units, families, couples, individuals who contributed financially to Reaching Beyond. And if that doesn't express widespread participation, I don't know what does. Way to go, Grace. The distribution of donors was in line with what you would find in any multi-generational church. Those with more discretionary income or more assets represented the largest number of givers. And I commend those, particularly over 50, which represents just over half of our adults. But all of us can give something, including those who are younger and with more limited income, and many have. You see, the amount should never preclude involvement when it comes to giving. Almost $6.8 million was given by our church toward reaching beyond, and that is remarkable. Praise God for that. When you take out or exclude a handful of estate gifts, over $4.8 million was given by the rest of us, part of that 6.8. The median gift, about $1,000 Several hundred donors, of course, gave more than that, and some far more than that. And all I can say is, wow. But God doesn't measure our commitment and our sacrifice against one another. And we don't want to do that either. Instead, we know that God sees our hearts. And that he knows what we have. He knows our sacrifice. He knows our commitments. And God is especially honored by those who are eager to give and give generously for them. Well, what motivates that? 
Well, it's a commitment to the Lord, an affection for the Lord, a trust in God. Those are the kind of people who give. David asks the question in verse 5, now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today, knowing that there were people who would say, I am. They remind me of the Corinthians. This is a thousand plus years later in the New Testament. We looked at this last fall, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 3 and following. Paul writes, for I testify that they, the Corinthians, the young believers, gave, excuse me, the Macedonian believers, gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave of themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Third principle we see in this 1 Chronicles 29 passage, the glad sacrifice of spiritual leaders is inspiring. It's exemplary to all of God's people. Leaders matter. People watch leaders and imitate them and criticize them and and respond to them. In any culture, in any era, the quality of leadership matters. I'm fascinated by what this passage says about leaders, particularly in verses 6 and 9. It says they gave willingly to the work on the temple of God. Not not coercion, not expectation alone. It was freely. It was wholeheartedly, verse 9. They wanted to and they chose to. I'm honored here at Grace by our leaders in general, grateful for them, and in particularly in their response toward reaching beyond. And by by leadership, I'm referring to the spiritual and organizational leadership of our elders and the practical and ministry leadership of our staff, and they have led. Our entire staff and all of our elders have financially participated in this campaign. In fact, they've done so generously, several of them, multiple times. To date, those leaders have contributed over $420,000 toward reaching beyond. That matters because people desire leadership. People want to know, are those who are leading the charge personally invested in what we're doing? Are they committed? And at Grace Through Reaching Beyond, that is decidedly the case. And as a staff member and as an elder, I think I can speak for them in saying that we believe in this vision. And we believe in the benefits that it offers for future ministry. And I have to think that that kind of response has a positive effect on the rest of our church family, that it inspires and that it has an effect. Verse 9, 3,000 years ago, another opportunity for generosity. We see the people rejoice at the willing response of their leaders. Why? Because they saw commitment and initiative and sacrifice, and these kind of things are contagious. And so we now sit in spaces that God has provided Since January 19, over in the ministry center, we've had places for classrooms and for training, for groups, for students, for children, for funerals, for conferences, and the list goes on. And we've had excellent temporary spaces for worship gatherings. Praise God for arranging that the ministry center could be built first while this could be renovated. And now this has been available just in time for the COVID season where we could spread out a bit. God knows what he's doing. God cares for us. Look around at this facility here. 
a place for gathering, a place for ministry, a place for celebration, a place for outreach and more. How needed and how useful this will be. Including uh, some outstanding pledges that we have here at Grace, we've received almost all of the funds necessary to complete this facility vision. We have no additional long-term debt. We have a bridge loan until we have all those funds in hand. Some of the aspects have been pursued to, to save more expensive repairs or maintenance in the future. Think of HVAC units. And some aspects have been delayed until we receive sufficient funds for them. Think balcony seating and decor. If you haven't seen, it looks a little different up there than it does down here. Can you help us finish the task? For sure. Maybe you're newer to grace today and you want to invest in our future. Maybe you couldn't give earlier uh, a couple of years ago, but now you can or you're willing to. Maybe your investments or your assets or your IRAs are doing exceptionally well now. Maybe you would consider grace in your estate planning. Perhaps you want to give one more time in an over and above way. Here's some ways that you can help us across the goal line, and we'd be honored if you did. Ways to give online, ways to give uh, through the mail, or to arrange for special asset giving. All of these investments are to fuel our mission. And our mission is to honor God by multiplying devoted followers of Jesus. We want these facilities to help us take the gospel to the nations as well as the neighborhoods around us. Warren Wearsby, pastor for many years in Cincinnati and at the Moody Memorial Church, said, since all things come from God and life is brief, the wisest thing we can do is to give back to God what he gives to us and to make an investment in the eternal. How true. Fourth, the opportunity to be generous is in itself the generosity of God. God makes it all possible. We see this toward the end of this passage, verses 14 and 16. David in verse 14, humbled by the very possibility of giving, says, how did we get this honor? David says, it all comes from you. It all belongs still to you, God. And we've been blessed beyond measure. And David hits there upon a core spiritual truth that you and I can never outgive God. Let me say that again. You and I can never outgive God. And moreover, we can never give back to God that which God hasn't already given to us in the first place. You and I are stewards. So in this life, we have opportunity to give to things, to ministries, to initiatives, to vision that's focused on God's church and focused on God's good news. And when we do that, we respond to the heart of God. That's worship, which leads to mission, which results back in more worshipers. That was how God worked even 3,000 years ago. The temple was supposed to fuel the worship of God's people to the nations. And now we are the temple of God, gathering in spaces, worshipers meant to be seen and heard by those nations who do not yet know Jesus Christ. Wearsby said again, the temple was built to display the glory of God. And our task in the local church, like Grace Polaris Church, is to glorify God. We gather in spaces like this for worship, to be seen by some, to be heard by many on mission for the glory of God. 
And when we give, as indeed hundreds of you have already done, we experience future blessings for our hearts, in our lives, and in our message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, in that 2 Corinthians passage, Paul ties our financial generosity to our gospel witness. Our financial generosity has a way of encouraging others, uh, of encouraging future believers and unbelievers, and encouraging one another as participants. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13. Paul writes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. What we give has spiritual implications. Finally, verses 16 to 18, those who are generous regard what they have as abundance and they're not impressed with themselves. David writes memorably, verse 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I've given willingly and with honest intent. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in our hearts, in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. David says something like this. You see it all, God, right to our hearts. You know our commitment. You know our generosity. You see our motives, whether it's for our fame or for your fame. As we've given, as we've invested and labored, don't let us forget, David says, that you have been so good to us, God. Help us to be fiercely loyal to you. Because this isn't ultimately about us. It's ultimately about you. So make what we will have for years and decades to come, including these buildings, I would say, be a testimony to the glory of God and a launch pad for the mission of the gospel in a desperately needed and needy world. Grace Polaris Church, is that what we long for from spaces like this? I hope the answer is a resounding yes. David's prayer radiates the recognition that all glory and honor and praise belong to God and God alone. And in the middle of this passage, we have a kind of psalm beginning in verse 14 that David prays. And we're going to pray this. We're going to say this together as a church family. After we do, we're going to have the last three moderators of our College of Elders, our spiritual leadership here at Grace, come and pray. Bob Lamont, Tim Brown, and Jay Sharp. They're going to offer brief prayers to God on behalf of us, his people here. But before we do that, I'd like us to pray as David did in the middle of 1 Chronicles 29. Would you stand with me and we will say these verses together. I realize that almost all of you have masks on. Speak right through those masks as if they weren't there as we pray this to God and then pray together. Say it with me, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power 
and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. I'll pray and be followed by those elders. Father in heaven, we thank you that you're an abundant giver, a generous giver, and a giver who has motives with his gifts. You want us as your people to be worshipers of you and to be people committed to your mission and people who are uh, loyal and committed and full of joy in you. Thank you for what you've given to us. And we offer these prayers as our hearts back to you. Father in heaven, uh, thank you so much for your, who you are and you alone being worthy of all praise, all glory. Thank you, Father, for the loving generosity of our church family to provide ministry opportunities to bring glory to you. Um, and I would be remiss just not, as a leader to thank you for our leadership as part of that and support for them. And in particular, our uh, lead pastor, Pastor Mike, we're grateful for him and, and a great generous gift to our, to our body from you. Most of all, God, a generous God who you are, thank you so much for uh, providing abundantly, as your word says. You provide beyond all we can think or even dream of asking for. Your generosity, the generosity of the loving uh, church family, we are so grateful for. And we just ask this, that we continue to bring glory to our King and Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that I pray these things. Amen. Father in heaven, we're going to take this time to thank you for our new facilities. You have provided us with new updating buildings for us to continue to teach your word, worship you, and serve one another. We thank you for these quality spaces that allow us to meet together in large groups, in small groups, and to casually interact with one another. We thank you for the construction team that did an excellent job in building and renovating our buildings for their hard work, their cooperation, and for the skills that you have given them. We thank you for the leaders that had the vision for these projects, for their efforts and hard work throughout the building process. We thank you for Pastor Mike, for Augie, for the elders, and for the facilities team that all worked together to make this happen. Father, you were with us, guiding us throughout every step of this process. We praise you for what you have provided. You have truly blessed us with these new facilities we want to take this time together to thank you and to dedicate them to you. And Father, as we uh, use these new, new facilities, we pray that you just prepare our hearts in a special way. As we come to learn, help us come seeking truth that we can only find in you. As we teach, Lord, help us re remain committed 
to teaching from the scripture, your holy scripture and the truth. Lord, as, as we come to use these facilities in uh, the spirit of fellowship, help us find joy in just uh, being with each other. And Lord, as we prepare for witness, uh, give us a boldness and a burden to honor you through how we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for all that you've done for us and how you've blessed us. And we pray that you just use us in an effective way in reaching our community and the world around us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.